Just before we invite Pastor Colin to the pulpit, I wanted to give a brief introduction. Uh, Colin and Mary McKenzie came from Ottawa this morning to join us. And after 15 years of lab work, Colin and Mary, in their mid-30s, moved with the three kids to Toronto to prepare for pastoral work. They returned to Ottawa to plant a church and were there for 25 years. Colin is now the Feb Central Association Shepherd in the Ottawa Valley. What that means, as I understand it, is that he shepherds pastors. He looks after our pastors in the Ottawa Valley. He came to know Jesus at a young age, and he's been blessed as a family to see God provide throughout their years of ministry. Colin, please come and minister to us in worship and preaching. Thanks. Well, it's a real joy for Mary and I to be here this morning and to serve you. And I trust that we will be an encouragement to you while your pastor is recuperating. I just want to commend you for giving your pastor time to be rejuvenated, to spend time with his wife and his family. I think they've been through a pretty busy season, pretty intense season. And, you know, sometimes there is nothing that can help that more than rest. And so I just commend you. It's hard. I, uh, I bet you're looking forward to him coming back. And uh, I, I just want to let you know it's not easy to let go for him or for you. And so I just wanted to start off by saying that. Mary and I will be praying for you. Now, why would I say that? In Ottawa, one of the things that we did starting about 20 years ago was we started a pastor's breakfast, and uh, I was leading the breakfast, and uh, we would go and have a time of just visiting, and then a time of sharing something we needed to learn or could learn from, and then a time of prayer. Often I would be so tired, I would go to the breakfast, and I would just sit there and listen. Just listen to what the other guys were talking about. It was refreshing to me. It was energizing to me. I am an association shepherd. I think it's kind of threatening to think that I'm a pastor over pastors or a pastor pastoring pastors, but I like to meet with pastors and listen, learn from them, and have the opportunity to encourage them. Can I just say a word for Feb Central Region? When Bob Fleming, I, I've thought highly of Feb Central Region for a long time. It's about 280 churches in that region. This church is part of that region. And um, Bob Fleming, when he became the regional director, came up with this model, Stronger Together. So glad to hear you guys or your teens or your youth are involved with Hudson Baptist. So glad to hear there's that sense of being together and doing things together, being aware of other churches and what they're doing. We need to minister to one another. We cannot minister in isolation. 
and I just want to recognize you as being part of that region and encourage you to be influenced by them. We need good influences in our lives. My mom and dad came to this church and were here in 1949. That's a little while back. Many of you may not remember them. And uh, um, it was at the time when... um, Lauren and Murray Heron were preaching up north, open air. And um, they needed some other preachers to come and help them. So they put out the word, and my dad was here in in, uh, Montreal. And so he decided it was his turn. So he went to prayer meeting and shared that. And Jack Dobson was a young man here at that time who thought my dad shouldn't go by himself. And so he said to my dad, I want to go with you. So they got on a bus, I believe it was on the Friday, and they got up around uh, Rouen, Naranda, uh, Friday night, Saturday morning. And Jack went out as my father preached open air. That meant so much to my father. My father died about two and a half years ago. And you know, right towards the end, right till about the end, he was still mentioning how much he appreciated his relationship with Jack Dobson. We need people in our lives who encourage us who influence us in a good way. Let me ask you a question. Do you have good memories of people who have been good friends in your life? Isn't it rich? What does it mean? Sometimes we get an idea of a face or, a, or a, an individual's appearance that causes us to think that's friendship. But what is it that makes up a good personal relationship? I've listed a few things on the slide. Friendship, communication, trust, loyalty, love. Love and loyalty in good times and bad knowing one another, giving, spending time together. I think those are key ingredients of a relationship. And we look for people who will have a good influence on us or with whom we can have a good influence on them. If you don't have good memories of good friendship, I would like to introduce to you someone who can have a good influence and have a good relationship with you. Maybe you're a Christian and uh, you've already come to know Jesus Christ. I want to ask you a question. What does it mean to have a good relationship with God? John 17, I'm just going to turn there quickly. If you have a Bible and you can turn there quickly, see if you can beat me. John chapter 17. 
In John chapter 17, Jesus is praying to the Father before he goes to the cross. We often call it his high priestly prayer. In verse 3 of John chapter 17, he says this to the Father. Now this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is eternal life that they may know you. Do you know God? Are you in relationship with him? Well, what ingredients are there in having a personal relationship with God? Please turn to Psalm 25. It was read to us this morning. Psalm 25 does not talk about all of the relationships or all of the qualities, all of the elements of a relationship. But there are a number of elements that I would like us to focus on this morning that are covered in this psalm. If you are a young person here, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to use the elements that we see in this psalm as part of your life. Why would I say it's great for you to use them? Well, first of all, because you're into technology. You can benefit in a mighty way in having a relationship with God that comes through technology. But also because you have many years to utilize what we find in Psalm 25. There are three ingredients all dealing with communication. that I see in Psalm 25. And I'd like to look at them for just a moment. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. That is an amazing beginning to this psalm. Psalm 23 is a very popular psalm. Psalm 23, probably most of us all know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But Psalm 25 grips me. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Father, we thank you for inspiring David to write this. Thank you for introducing the idea to our minds that we are in relationship with you when we come to Christ and receive him as our Savior. Guide us this morning, we ask. Hear our prayer. Cause that your word would impact our lives through your spirit so that we may be refreshed and strengthened and so that we may be receptive to what is written in this passage. Please bless the Dunbars this morning. Refresh them, encourage them, cause them to see you intervening in their lives in a unique, in a noticeable way so that as they come back to have relationship in this congregation, their relationship with you may be even energized. In Jesus' name, amen. 
the first thing that I want us to see in this psalm is that in our relationship with God, we are able to communicate to him love and appreciation. Communicate love and appreciation. I lift up my soul to you, O Lord. I think that's an expression of love. That's pretty transparent. I give myself to you, Lord. I surrender myself to you, Lord. I lift up my innermost being to your compassion and examination. I need you. Mary and I drove down to the Maritimes. We, we took uh, holidays in the uh, Halifax or in uh, Nova Scotia a number of times. And after our children became old enough that they were working in the summers, they decided they would stay home and we would depart by ourselves. And uh, so we went down there with a tent trailer. And on this one particular year in which we did that, we got to the Halifax, Nova Scotia border and we had had three flats on the trailer. One tire, brand new tire that we'd gone in to get at a garage, lasted for a total of five minutes. And it was shot. It was gone. So we pulled in, and I think it's Amherst at the border of Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, found a Canadian tire. I went in. I bought two tires. I put them on myself. Thank you very much. And uh, I got, I was working away in the parking lot, and this gentleman came along who was, I think, a sort of a self appointed um, tourist uh, advisor. Came up to the, alongside the car, and he was telling jokes. And I was in no joking mood. <laughs> and I said to Mary, just keep him busy. I've got to work on this. <laughs> we still had four hours to drive, and I was thinking, I don't know if this is going to happen. I had put on these two new tires that I got out of the store. I had just driven the car ahead a few inches, and I could hear the shuddering of the trailer. What am I going to do? Well, Mary occupied this gentleman, and uh, he was telling lots of jokes, and, uh, and I was letting the air out of the tires. I realized that the tires had 60 pounds pressure in them. And so I was lowering the, the pressure and trying to uh, see if it would stop rubbing on the uh, frame. He turned out to be uh, an inspector with the transport department before he retired, and uh, he saw me letting the air out of the tires, and he did not think this was a good idea. I was finally down to 20 pounds, which I've got to admit was getting to the lower level of the limits, wouldn't you say? And um, he says, I don't think you can do this. And so we had a conversation back and forth, and finally we, we agreed. We agreed that we would be able to proceed. And then I... He had sort of cooled the whole situation down a little bit. I thought, I need to show him some expression of appreciation. And I, I thought, maybe I should you know, share with him that I'm a Christian. 
And uh, so what do I do? I looked in the car, and I, in there I had, a, I had a business card for the church. And so I, I gave it to him and thanked him for his, his involvement. Turns out he had accepted Christ two years before. And so we had a great time of sharing with one another. And I, so I asked him somehow his wife had not yet come to Christ. And I, uh, I asked him about his wife. And um, I suggested to him that uh, maybe he should share with her his love, you know. He said, why would I do that? I told her when we got married and nothing's changed since. This was a man in his 60s or 70s. And uh, so we had a great laugh over that. But he had, did not show appreciation to her. He did not express his love to her. Do you know something? God expresses his love to us on a daily basis. And we need to enter into the two-way street and express to him our gratitude, our appreciation, and our love for him. Psalm 23 really does that. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I have a a savior, a shepherd, who meets my every need. And he's worshiping and praising God for that. If you have put your trust in Jesus, you have a relationship with Christ. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Lord, I'm in love with you. That sounds corny. That sounds kind of sticky, yucky. God loves it. God loves when we speak candidly, transparently to him. And we need to, he loves us, and we need to communicate our love to him because we are in relationship with him. The second thing that I want to draw to your attention is that we need to communicate requests to him. How do we see that? Look at verse 4. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. He goes down and you can see that it's not because he is superior spiritually. He goes down and he says, God, don't remember the sins of my youth. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for forgiving me. And he asks God to forgive him for his sin. So as I look through this, There are a couple of things that come to my mind in communicating requests. Number one is, we are not to create a a God of our own creation. God is not there to do just whatever we ask. Do you understand? We need to come to know who he is. We need to know what he says he will do for us. And we need to ask for those things, knowing who he is as we are in relationship with him. We'll come to a little bit later how that would come out. But he starts off in verse 4. Show me, teach me, guide me. Down in verse 6. Remember me. Love me, verse 10. Forgive my sin, verse 11. 
And so we come to him understanding the dynamic of our relationship. And how does God respond to us? That brings us to the third point. You're saying, man, we're going to be out by 11.30. It's not quite that fast. (laughs) What's the third thing we see in here? Let me read to you verses 16 to 22. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart have multiplied. Free me from my anxious. Free me from my anguish. Look upon my affliction and my distress and take away all my sins. See how my enemies have increased and how fiercely they hate me. Guard my life and rescue me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. For I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness protect me, because my hope is in you. Redeem Israel, O God, from all their troubles. I put here, communicate a need for salvation. Rescue me from my sins and my enemies. What is the relationship that we have with Jesus? The relationship is one of a person needing salvation. And so we say, Jesus is my Savior. That's what I see, that's the emphasis that I see here in verse. Verses 16 to 22. But it's interesting that what is said in verses 16 to 22 has already been said up in verse 5. Verse 5 says, Guide me in your truth and teach me why, for you are God my Savior. And my hope is in you all day long. We have a relationship with a God who, to whom we can call, who calls out to us, who engages with us, and who has sent his son to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. We are in relationship with that Savior. Communicate the need for salvation. Well, what does communication with God look like? I think that most of us, many of us would say, well, prayer is where we start. And I would like to start there this morning. I want us to look at a little application of what we've just learned here. A little glimpse into relationship. How does relationship look in the context of our individual and corporate lives? on a regular basis. What has God made available to us so that we can experience relationship with him? To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. What's the picture you see there? I would see almost like this, or maybe you would say I see this. And I want us to look at this for a minute. When I think of prayer, I think of two categories of prayer. They're not mutually exclusive. 
But we may think of that in a, in a sort of a way. I want to look at them as two different things in a sense. There is, first of all, that time of deliberate, intentional prayer. Coming out to a small group or to prayer meeting with others is a deliberate setting aside of time to come together and pray corporately and be aware of the needs of the body together. To spend time worshipping, maybe singing, remembering who God is and exalting him. Sometimes we need to have intentional, deliberate times of prayer by ourselves where we look at maybe the Lord's Prayer and we see worship. We realize we need to focus on God's will. What is it that he intends for us to do? Then what are our personal needs? And then there's repentance and asking for forgiveness. And finally, maybe praise. Intentional prayer, where we work through maybe some huge issues in our life, maybe things that, are, that cause us to bend our knee, to bow our knee, and to call out to God, expressing to him our absolute need for him to intervene in our lives. But then there's another type of prayer. It's, I'm going to call it ongoing intimate fellowship. Just actually having conversation with God in an ongoing way. Some people say, I find this easy. Some people find, say, I find that easy. I think we can grow and develop in both of those areas. But one of the things that I want to just draw your attention about the aspect of ongoing intimate prayer is this idea, we do not walk alone. God walks with us. And we need to draw close to him and be aware of his walking as we live. What joy, what security... What adventure there is in having close fellowship with God. Sometimes things come into my life and I become overwhelmed and anxious and stressed. Do you ever experience those things? Just me. It is wonderful when we understand God is our provider. It is wonderful when we understand the Holy Spirit is our comforter. It is even wonderful when we understand that the Holy Spirit convicts us concerning righteousness. And he intends for us to change. And he will bring about that change in our lives. And when we know that he is going to accomplish his purposes, there is security. There is comfort in that. So one thing, the way that we apply communicating with God and God communicating with us is in prayer. The second one that I want to draw to your attention is God teaching us. God speaking to us and revealing himself to us. And I want to uh, identify five areas, that five ways that God speaks to us. First of all, through scripture. 
2 Timothy 3.16 says that God speaks to us. He instructs us. He rebukes us. He corrects us through the word that he has revealed to us. And we need to spend some time there. I'll look, look at that in just a moment. But I, I wanted to mention that first because I think that's God's primary way of revealing himself to us. Number two, we also see the Holy Spirit at work opening our eyes bringing our attention to certain passages of Scripture, stirring our hearts that we would understand what God is saying. Number three, preaching, teaching, going to a Sunday school, being in a Sunday school class or coming to a service. God's, the intent of the person who is teaching or preaching is that people would be made aware of God's word. And as we share together, as we minister together, we can focus on things that are relevant to where we are in this season as a congregation. And God uses that to speak to us. Fourthly, I want to rest on this one for just a minute. It's what I call the daily intake of Scripture. Daily can be a bit rigid, so I would like to use the word regular. I went to the dentist a year ago, and he noticed that I had some buildup uh, that was going to become a cavity in my tooth. And uh, before he told me that and went out of the room, he said, when we speak of brushing your teeth regularly, that means daily. You know what? When we talk about reading scripture, basically, there's no reason why we can't spend a little bit of time every day in God's word. If you're 13 here, let me share this with you. My mother said to me when I was 13, you're old enough to read a chapter a day in your Bible. And you know what? I started, and that got me into a discipline. And I'm so thankful for that. There is no reason. There is no one here who can't do that. Do you know um, the, um, I guess it's an app on uh, your phone or your iPad or your computer called Uversion? That is a Bible that you can download. You You can even have a choice of the translation you want. And you can have it read the Bible to you. How do you like that? We are in a wonderful time in our lives. So if you are in a situation where you go, go to uh, travel to your work or your school by day, by bus, you can turn on your phone and you can read your Bible or have it read to you. God's Word. God speaking to you. And I want to add just a little thing that I found very helpful over the years. As you're reading your Bible and something catches your attention, I want you to stop and do three things. First of all, I want you to say, what is the main idea in this passage that I've been reading? Secondly, I want you to say to yourself, what has this got to do with me? And thirdly, you won't be able to do the thirdly thing every day. 
But the third thing you can do is say, now, how am I going to respond to this? Think of the main idea. You want to find out what the passage was intended to say in the first place. You don't want to make a passage say what it's not really saying. What is the main idea? What does this have to do with me? Do I need to repent? Do I need to worship? Do I need to express gratitude? Do I need to serve? Do I need to understand who God is in a new way? And then the last thing is, how am I going to apply that to my life? The fifth way that God speaks to us, fifth way God speaks to us, is through good friends. In Acts chapter 9, when, the, when Saul, who became the Apostle Paul, was saved, on the day he was saved, God spoke to a man named Ananias. He said, Ananias, I want you to go to a certain place and see a man named Saul. Ananias knew who Saul was. He didn't want to go and see Saul. Because Saul had a terrible reputation. But God convinced him and he went to speak to Saul. He was a good friend to Saul. 2 Timothy 2 verse 2, we see the Apostle Paul now writing to Timothy, his disciple, one of his disciples, one of the young men who he was training to be a leader and who he had now left in Ephesus to lead the congregation. And he had said, what I have taught you, I want you to teach it to others. Do you understand what dynamic is going on there? Well, a number of dynamics. One, of course, is leadership development. But the other thing is he wanted Timothy to have good influence on those about him. God communicates in a variety of ways. But I'm going to finish with this little comment about how God speaks to us. What is God's primary way of speaking to us? It's this. In this we have confidence. A good friend, a good friend who intends to be a good friend can sometimes give us wrong advice. But when we read God's word, we know that this is what God has revealed to us. And so I want, as we share that, and maybe you say, well, Pastor, I already know this stuff. That's great. Just a little refresher, just a little reminder. When I was working in a lab, we used to make up standards and um, to use for uh, doing analysis. And we had what we called a primary standard. And from that standard, we made some other standards that we called secondary standards. And that secondary standard was what we dipped into every day when we were doing analyses. And we had fairly good confidence in that. But the one that we had absolute confidence was our primary standard. You know what? God has made his primary standard available for us to use every day. And I just want to encourage you, if you get this context, get, get this concept that we are in relationship with Jesus Christ, 
this is one of our primary ways of experiencing that relationship on a regular basis. David could say, you are God my Savior. Since he wrote that, Jesus was born and he lived and he died on the cross. He paid the penalty for our sin. He made forgiveness of sins freely available. I want to just ask you this morning, is Jesus your Savior? How do you know Jesus is your Savior? How do you know? This is eternal life that they may know you. I think every one of us needs to stop and ask that question once in a while. How do I know? The Bible tells us how we can know. Jesus said as he was beginning his ministry, the time has come. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. Have you come to that place of recognizing that along with all of mankind, you are a sinner. That you need to repent of your sin. Turn away from depending on yourself and turn to Jesus, the one who can forgive your sin and bring you into relationship with him. That is how you know. You are God my Savior. My hope is in you all the day long. Let's pray. Father, thank you for making it easy to understand. Thank you for making it possible for us to have a personal relationship with you. Thank you for revealing yourself to us. And thank you for allowing us to come into that Dynamic where we are able to call out to you, knowing that you hear us, knowing that you are answering us. Thank you for your word that causes us to know more and more of who you are. And Father, may we grow in adoration and worship and expressions of love to you. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to finish with a benediction from Romans 15, 13 and tie it into Psalm 25. Would that be good? Okay. May the God of hope fill you with all peace and joy as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, 
I trust in you. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your guide. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Amen.